0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Well Church Saturdays podcast. We pray that you enjoy this message and that it creates a well of hope in your life today. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm I'm so grateful that you all prioritize this time to, to come together. Glad to, to have you with us. Um, you know, it's... The the first time that I'm sharing this this year, it's uh, the second Sunday of the year. And one of the things that I like to do at the beginning of, of the year, personally, um, is I like to begin to focus on the beginning of the Bible. So our primary text today is going to be from Genesis chapter three. We'll get to that in a little while. Um, a few months back, when we had a time of of corporate fasting, one of the words that came forth was about that God was going to connect the dots that that in the year 2024, he would connect the dots so that people could see more clearly. Um, You know, it's much like the the puzzles that are in activity books, where after you connect the dots, it kind of just looks like a a big mess. But when you connect the dots, you can see the picture. And that's one of the things that I love about the word of God, that, that from Genesis to Revelation, it connects the dots of God's plan For redemption from, and the uh, redemption of, and restoration from sin through Christ. First or Second Timothy three sixteen says all Scripture is inspired by God and is beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So I think it's important that as we read Scripture, we always want to interpret Scripture through the lens of Scripture. We don't want to take single verses out of context, but we want to make sure that it lines up with what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're being, what's being revealed to us, lines up with the rest of God's Word. If someone comes up with a, a new revelation about a, a particular scripture verse or a particular portion of scripture, and that doesn't line up with what God says in the rest of scripture, then we should probably be careful about that revelation. As I said, I'd like to begin in the beginning, so we're going to begin in Genesis 3. Very uh, familiar account. Now the serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God really said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die, for God knows that on the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took some of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves waist coverings. Now they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called out to the man and said, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me some of the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all of the livestock and more than any animal of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will make enemies of you and of the woman and of your offspring and her descendant. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. So the first dots I'd like to connect Relate to that passage in Revelation thirteen one through 3 It says that I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. And on his horns were ten crowns, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear. And his mouth like the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been fatally wounded and his fatal wound was healed and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And I'm not saying it is, but could it be possible that the wound on the head of the beast is the very bruise that God prophesied would come to the serpent? Then we continue in Genesis 3. It says, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall deliver children, yet your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. With hard labor you shall eat from it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you yet you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. Because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you will return. Now the man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might reach out with his hand and take fruit also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out and at the east of the garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and flaming sword, which turned in every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. So they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that really doesn't sound like a bad thing to have knowledge. Doesn't sound like a bad thing. But unfortunately, even to this day, very often when people have the knowledge of good and evil, they choose evil over good. So God drove them out of the garden so that they wouldn't eat of the tree of life because then they would live eternally in their fallen state. God already had a plan for redemption. But for that time, Adam and Eve couldn't eat from the tree of life because Christ the Redeemer would not come for thousands of years. So let's connect some dots. Revelation 22, 12-15 says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. To reward each one, as his work deserves, and I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that so they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are dogs and sorcerers, the sexually immoral persons, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. You know, there's a, some lyrics to a, an, an old, familiar hymn that ask the question, have you, been wa- have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed? in the blood of the Lamb. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life. That's us. Living on this side of the cross, we have the right to the tree of life. We live eternally, not in our fallen state, but redeemed and restored as God intended from the beginning. What I really want to focus on today, though, is to to connect the dots between the text in Genesis 3 and what we've been looking at over the past weeks and what Matt, um, about that we're first worshipers, the the importance of worship in our our lives, and what Matt is currently sharing about unlocking victory through gratitude. And I encourage anyone who hasn't been here the last couple of weeks to listen to the most recent podcast because Matt's going to continue and you need to know what He spoke about, so that you'll be prepared to walk into what is to come. Now again, in our text, verses 8 and 9 say, Now they heard the sound of God, of the Lord God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called out to the man and said, Where are you? It was a normal thing for God to walk and interact with Adam and Eve. He created them to have fellowship, to walk with Him and to talk with Him and just to be with Him. And worship is one of the ways that that we re-engage with God so that we have that relationship as He intended. Worship opens a door or a portal to the heavenly realm. And, And Kat talked about bringing heaven down. And, and whether we go up into the heavenly realm or whether we bring heaven down, worship brings us into God's presence. You know, it, every time there's a, a vision or a scene in heaven, in Scripture, there's worship. Isaiah six one three 3 says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, and the train of His robe filling the temple. Sarah from were standing above Him, each having six wings, and with two covered His face, and with two covered His feet, and with two each flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of the armies. The whole earth is full of His glory. And, and that's another thing that happens when we when we get into the presence of God, when we when we view the world and the circumstances of the world from heaven's perspective, we don't see the mess because we're seeing it through the lens of God's perfection. So we see that even in the midst of the mess, the whole earth is filled with God's glory. Revelation four ten and 11 says, The twenty-four elders will fall down before Him who sits on the throne, and they will worship Him who lives forever and ever, and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and came to be. Revelation 7, 11 and 12 says, And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders, and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. It seems that those who are in the presence of God can't help but to worship Him. And I love the lyric from Amazing Grace that says, When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. So I, I tell you, if you... Feel uncomfortable, or if you have a hard time sometimes worshiping God for an hour, you're gonna have to get over it in eternity. It's gonna be different. Here's the thing, though, for us that while worship is essential for us, for the worship, um, it's for us, worship is more than an action, worship is more than something we do. Worship should be part of who we are. If we're worshipers, then it should be part of a lifestyle. More than just what we do in song. Just as he did with Adam and Eve, God wants to walk with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to just be with us. And you know, it's not just the the little bit of time that we set aside or designate for God. God. He wants to be with us at all times. How many times do you think God might ask the question that he asked in the garden? Where are you? And what are the excuses that we give God? Are we ashamed of something in our lives as they were? Are we too busy to find just more than just a little bit of time for God? He's not too busy for us. He wants to walk with us and he wants to talk with us. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment is, he responded, saying, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. that's matthew twenty two thirty seven and thirty eight And worship is an expression of our love for God. So then we should worship with our whole heart, our whole soul, and our whole mind. As Matt shared in his, his message. It begins with gratitude. It comes from a place of being thankful to God. And he asked in his message, are we thankful when we've gained the victory? Only after we've gained the victory? Or do we gain the victory because we're thankful? You know, our worship begins with gratitude, but it, it should affect our every attitude. When David's son died as a result of, of David's sin, in Second Samuel twelve fifteen to 20 it says this, Later the Lord struck the child that Uriah's widow bore to David so that he was very sick. David therefore pleaded with God for the child and David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him in order to help him up from the ground, but he was unwilling and would not eat food with them. Then it happened on the seventh day that the child died, and David's servants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was still alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How then can we tell him that the child is dead, since he might do himself harm? But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David perceived that the child was dead. So David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David got up from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Matthew 5, 4, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And our comfort comes more easily when we begin with gratitude, with thanksgiving to God. Colossians three seventeen 17 encourages us, saying whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. And as we close today, I want to connect one more thing from Genesis. This in Genesis 1, 26 and 28, it says this. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all the earth, and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So not only were they and were we created for fellowship with God, but we were created in His image and likeness to have dominion over the earth. In John 14:12 to 15, Jesus says, "Truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father, and whatever you ask in my name, this I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it if you love me." keep my commandments. So Jesus has also restored that dominion that God intended us to have, but it's not by our own ability or strength. Jesus says, if we ask, he'll do it. He's the one that'll do the works. And, you know, we're also, like they were commanded, we're to be fruitful and multiply. And for us, it's more than biologically We're to bear fruit for the kingdom. In John 15, 8, Jesus says that that that's how we prove by bearing fruit for the kingdom. That's how we prove we're his disciples. And a lifestyle of worship positions us to be aligned with him. And there's one, one final thing that connects dots today. If you were here from the beginning of the service before we went into worship, Kat read the scripture from Isaiah and she talked about God being our, our might and our melody. And she referred to the might as, as he's the muscle and that he does the heavy work. Well, it wasn't in my original notes to, to end this service, but it was a note that I had made that when I printed it out, it was still there. In Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 30, Jesus says, come to me, All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is comfortable, and my burden is light. He does the heavy work. He does the heavy lifting if we'll walk with Him. As we walk yoke to Jesus, working with Him in an attitude of gratitude, we can find rest. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ and precious Holy Spirit. We are so grateful. Grateful that we live on this side of the cross so that we have the right to the tree of life and all of its eternal benefits. We're grateful for your word, which is able to connect us with everything that you've given us. We're grateful for the privilege of walking and working with you. May we be those who are part of the answer to the prayer that Jesus taught us. May your kingdom come and may your will be done in and through our lives. That it will be on earth as it is in heaven. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen We're glad that what the Lord is doing among us encourages you. For more info about the church, follow us on Facebook or connect with us on Instagram. Visit dwellatthewell.com or come out and see us on a Sunday morning, 228 Ridge Avenue, Southerton, Pennsylvania. I'm digging a well, I'm digging a well right here. I'm digging a well. In the valley of my weeping, I'm digging well in my tears, I'm digging well right.